Hello and welcome to another episode of BL Podcast. This is your host, Kitajli Devaka. Today we have with us a veteran journalist who has pretty much witnessed the growth of Hyderabad, the state of Andhra Pradesh, and a lot more in the Indian business space. We have with us Rishi Kumar, who has been the Chief of Bureau for Business Line's Hyderabad Division. Welcome, Rishi Kumar, and thank you for joining us on BL Podcast. Thank you very much for giving me this opportunity to uh, interact with you and share my thoughts on my association with Business Line and also the experience, my experience uh, of reporting business and other areas over the last three and a half decades, and more particularly 26 years with Business Line. 26 years is actually an unimaginable number for the current generation of journalists yeah, I mean, to be associated with one publication. So. I know, I know, but then I'm with an organization where I've known people working for 30 years, 34 <laughs> years, 35 years. So, so it's not surprising. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if you also run the course that way. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us how it all began with Business Line. What brought you here? Yeah. Uh, actually, I was working with the, uh, the Economic Times of the Bennett Coleman Group mm-hmm. and associated with the launch of the Hyderabad edition. I was actually inducted to uh, be part of the launch of the Hyderabad edition. Mm-hmm. After the la- successful launch of the edition for about six months, I was with them. During the course of uh, my reportage, I got in touch with uh, Chief of Bureau of Business Line based at Hyderabad, Mr. V.K. Vardarajan. He was then the Chief of Bureau. So during one of those meetings where we went to report, he casually asked me whether you, you would be interested in joining Business Line. Business Line is a new publication and it's a growing publication. Uh, does it attract you? And I said, yes, I will immediately look at it. And I, I gave my application to the organization. Then on one fine day, they called me to Chennai. And on a sultry uh, Chennai Monday morning, I walked into the uh, with the Hindu office. Uh-huh. I met met with the uh, editor, Mr. Founding Editor Kasturi Venugopal, mm-hmm. and Mr. Sampat Kumar, who was number two then in uh, business line. Mm-hmm. Had a wonderful 45 minutes conversation with them on various subjects across, uh, you know, corporate reportage and others. So they did grill me a lot on various issues. And I believe that I, I answered them well. And uh, thereafter, I I was asked to meet uh, Mr. Ashok Reddy, who was the news editor then. Right. So I, I met him and uh, we had a very fruitful interaction. Then I was offered a job at, uh, uh, you know, business line. And uh, how I, old were you back then? Just out of curiosity. Uh, that must be 34. Yeah, I was 34. Wow. Uh, Wow, yeah. that's a, it's been a pretty long journey since then. Pretty long journey and uh, very emotional one at that because this has been a great, uh, you know, both learning and uh, uh, practical experience which I've had over the last uh, 26 years with Business Line. A wonderful publication to work with and wonderful group to work with. So, so what has been one of the most memorable stories that you've worked on in your any six years with the organization? Very frankly, it is difficult to, uh, you know, single out one story mm-hmm. because the story which we write is contextual. Uh, it, it has importance on that day. Mm-hmm. So 
or that particular period. So uh, it's definitely uh, there. We have had many stories, but it's difficult to identify one story which stands out as the best story. I, I won't be able to do that. It's beyond me. <laughs> yeah. So are you saying that you've done some, you've not had any stories that you've had an emotional connection with something that you felt was, you know, very deeply engraved into your system? Yeah, I think uh, one thing that stands out from one publication, the other is the, I, I don't think uh, there's much different from one publication to other when it comes to reporting or doing assignments. But what stands out for the Hindu group is the values on which it has been built, nearly with 140 odd years of, uh, you know, history behind it and a strong foundation laid by its founders and the values they drive, the values they inculcate into various, uh, you know, teams they build over the years. I think that sets apart uh, this publication from the rest in the country. And so my association with the business line has not been uh, too long. Yeah. Yet I have noticed how you've reported on a variety of topics, especially on uh, the current uh, state of renewable energy and uh, sustainable yes. resources. Yes. So how about telling us something about that sort of reportage as to how it has evolved in the past 26 odd years? 26 odd years, uh, well, um, there was hardly any renewable energy then. Uh, okay. Except hydro hydro power, hydro power is in some form renewable energy. Mm -hmm. So there was only, uh, you know, around 2000 and odd, uh, around the year 2000, uh, early seeds of renewable energy were uh, sown, but it was only around 2010 that it began to take off. From then on, it has been some sort of a hockey stick like uh, growth, and mm -hmm. there has been no looking back. Now we are at a stage where we have 100. Uh, gigawatts of renewable energy. And we are now looking at targeting 450 gigawatts by 2030. I'm pretty confident given the focus of the government and given various players coming into the play, including the likes of Reliance and Adani's and others, Reliance alone talking about setting up 100 gigawatts of power. Mm -hmm. I don't think it is beyond us to make it 450 gigawatts by 2030. So uh, that has been the very exciting phase. So, so you're saying that back then, solar energy or wind energy, et cetera, were not exactly in the discussion per se, or had yeah, people just ignored it? They were in discussion. Only the wind aspect was in discussion okay. around, uh, around 2000, but it was in pockets like Tamil Nadu and Rajasthan, principally Tamil Nadu because of the wind velocity there. So mm -hmm. most of them were set up there. And also that was the phase when there was huge power cuts and also mm. that, forced, that forced governments to go for wind energy then. Solar was hardly there around that time. Really? So, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, at least in, um, in, in our country, uh, mm. it was hardly there. Even globally, it, was not, it had not yet picked up around 2000. Mm. So, so wind energy was something which became very popular. And uh, I think Tamil Nadu led the charge, uh, setting up number of projects, huge capacity they have created in setting up wind. Gradually, other states followed. And now some other states which have low wind velocity are also looking at uh, setting up wind projects. But however, somehow there is little more alignment towards uh, solar now than the wind power as it stands. 
So in the, let's say over two and a half years that you have reported on Andhra Pradesh, India, on business environments in India, have you seen a certain shift in the way, let's say, agriculture has evolved in the country at large? Yeah, actually, uh, um, um, Andhra Pradesh was a unified state in uh, as of uh, 19, around 1990s and all that. It got only bifurcated in 2014. Traditionally, Andhra Pradesh has been a agriculture uh, state known for uh, paddy cultivation and other. Mostly, mostly, mostly monsoon fed and some irrigation fed. But then uh, the reforms which were brought about by uh, P.V. Narasimha Rao around 1991 triggered a wave of uh, services industries. And then th thereafter, other sectors also came into play, like finance, uh, fisheries, and all those sectors. And uh, from gradual agriculture, it has shifted over to uh, services and other sectors. So at one point in time, agriculture used to contribute about 70% of the economy. Its contribution has now come down significantly. Now, services sector contributes about 55% of the economy. That there has been huge shift to the as a as a reporter, does that concern you? Because at one point you would have probably you could you would have seen how your copies would have shaped up. And today, when you write about yeah. business environments, it's a very it's a whole different game, right? Yes, it is actually. That time, you know, there was no no email, there was no mobile, so we would have to go to places physically, meet people, get information. Now it is totally different. Everything comes onto your laptop, onto your mobile phone, onto your WhatsApp, and it's now you report that way. But that but, time... But Rishi what I wanted to know actually was, see, when we write stories today and we try to edit them, we often, if, if we're writing stories on the economy, it essentially evolves around the manufacturing sector or the service sector. But yeah. when you started out, probably the agrarian sector would have had a huge chunk in the whole... I mean, in yes. a in a column on the economics or the business section of a paper. So, exactly. have you have you as a reporter? Do you feel bad that that trend has changed and people aren't focusing? Sorry, people aren't focusing as much on agriculture as opposed to uh, services, manufacturing, or something like that. Does it does it does it pinch? It does. It does pinch. But however, I am with a publication which actually has a specialized agriculture and commodity space. Hmm. So I, I don't really miss that, though I don't regularly write on, re, report on agriculture and commodities. Business Line specializes in business line and including Hindu does a lot of coverage on uh, agriculture and commodities. So we have a space for, and our editor, former editor, Mr. Kasturi Venugopal, had special liking for agriculture and gives special prominence for agriculture in areas like logistics, hmm. aviation, and all that. So that way, business line stands apart. Actually, if you talk to some of these corporates, they will speak very highly of business line because it provides space for agri, yeah, agri and agri commodities and all. We continue to have one full page of agri commodities. Well, I guess that is something we have to be proud of. Yes, of course. We are, we are and I am also very proud of. Yeah. So you did mention that there was a time when you had to go physically and talk to people and get the information, probably send stuff by the postal service. And today it's all about email and WhatsApp and Telegram. Yes. Yes. How has the transition been for you from 
being absolute from the uh, analog mode to a digital mode if i can say so yeah actually it is very interesting because that time you know we would go there and we when we started here we used to work on typewriters basically wow and okay used to work on typewriters okay. so after that slowly we moved on to uh, computers and uh, typewriters uh, which which year was are we talking about no not with business line of course uh, before business line we used to work on typewriters okay yeah around 90s we used to work on typewriters okay early 90s then uh -huh. after that uh, it we moved on to uh, computers mm -hmm. wherein you send your uh, copy via email mm -hmm. to the to the office and then it gets uh, typeset and all that and then uh, gets published there so from then on you know uh, we gradually you know moved on to you know we had the power of mobile phones early days 2001 2002 mobile phones and then we we also had pagers for some time oh yes yes oh my pages god yeah with one line two line uh, pagers from motorola we wow had, yeah i remember those i remember those yeah. so office uh, they would alert you that so and so press conference is there Uh -huh. so you you are covering somewhere so, something somewhere from there you go there to cover that uh -huh. so from then on we moved on to mobile phones and from mobile phones i think things have become much easier in terms of even while uh, going and covering secretariat and all unless you meet people physically you would not get information now oh, really is, yeah now now unless you meet them they no they won't nobody will give you you mean to say these sections did not have their individual press um, teams and you know they never brought about press releases they never went and shared it with organizations we we, we had that but th those would be hand delivered by the end of the day oh, okay by oh, the end wow. of the day okay yeah it they would be hand delivered through publicity cell at around 839 Okay. It, so that used to be the pattern then. So if you have to go and meet a secretary in secretary a minister or a uh, secretary state secretary it had to be a physical meeting after going there going through their peshi and meeting them. Now it is different if you establish good contacts just pick up a call and uh, you know take take a phone and call them up and or sms them or whatsapp them and they react to you so has has reporting become faster than before or has it has journalism become a whole new game today as what it was when you started out with business line yes of course it has become whole new game uh, in now, what sense uh, in, in the sense that uh, the news flow is real time now mm -hmm. real time uh, in probably seconds minutes you are able to see tweets and uh, you know updates on developments through you know digital assets through you know television channels uh, so and also the what you report in the morning becomes totally different by evening mm -hmm. and and the dynamism dynamic developments you have to capture by the end of the day of course that used to be the case then also but you would get only one one final form at that point in time now you get multiple updates of a story because do, do you miss do you miss the old days no not really i mean i think uh, th those were different except that i think this is more efficient system in the sense 
uh, you're able to get news at real time. I think that is even more exciting than the. You but know. does it? But does it worry you that everyone seems to be, you know, hooked onto social media for any update and probably the role of a reporter or a sub editor or people yes. at a news organization seems to be diminishing it, with time. It does. It does disturb you. It does disturb you, because you know. Uh, that exclusivity which you would have by going and meeting people in person, you don't expect four people and going meeting same person one day. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but in, now what happens is because of the you know various digital assets, if one person is able to get in touch with somebody within minutes, that story is out. So other person also gets a chance to meet, and uh, same story gets uh, you know uh, replicated all 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 over. But but it was not the case then. At that mm. point in time, if it is an exclusive, it's an exclusive. You go mm. and meet somebody, it's an exclusive story. You could mm. proudly claim that, but it's no longer like that. I think that is the only uh, disturbing thing. But other than that, I think uh, get, giving information real time is the best part of the whole experience. So you have pretty much been working with my team and me and we're in the internet space right now. Yeah. Yes. And you've seen how we have often, you know, been pushy of, you know, multimedia content and yes. tweeting and yes. social media and whatnot. Uh, have you ever felt that this is a this is a space that actually is challenging, especially for people who are used to the old time exclusive format? As so you're trying, has it ever occurred to you that you need to try something new? to stay in the game or do you think journalists today have to continue being open to something different at on each on a daily basis i think they need to be a little more uh, open to doing things differently that traditional uh, um, way of functioning doesn't work any longer because that you'll be totally out of business if you if you function the way you are functioning 20 years ago you need to keep pace with uh, uh, you know mojos as they call <laughs> Okay. Yeah, you need to keep keep pace with mojos in yeah. real time, not just writing stories, tweeting, and all that. Put, putting information on, uh, updating information on Facebook or other social media or LinkedIn. So, the, unless you do that, you will not be in business. Uh, it is also heartening to see that uh, you know most of the youngsters have uh, um, you know adjusted to this, and some of the seniors too have very interestingly adjusted to it. Mm -hmm. Not sure whether I have fully uh, got adjusted to that. Maybe there are some gray areas where I could have done better, but then that's how it is. Uh, uh, but it's enjoyable every day, you know, doing different things, every day meeting different set of people, writing different areas of, for instance, business line for me has been something very special because it has given me an opportunity to write on anything I want. Mm. Right from, you know, right from agriculture, as you mentioned, to if I want to astronomy, there is a place for that. Mm -hmm. So we are pretty open on that. So that's the best part of it. So I did when, when I covered journalism, early days in business line, um, you know, I, I was just covering the secretary bid because rest of all had taken off all corporate bids. Mm -hmm. So I had to do secretary beat only. Most of my stories would go into the state's pages. But then mm. gradually I got a chance to write on technology, mm. then uh, telecom, automotives, all of these areas, and now power and renewable energy. So I've seen it all, that circle of reforms 
mm. starting from uh, you know uh, 1991 on how you know each of these sectors has evolved mm. from a closed economy where we used to manufacture only 10000 cars wow 10000 cars to a situation where 3 million cars are sold per annum i can't even imagine a country where there will be 10000 cars manufactured so, and that that you would have to wait your turn and get I think they so, said you should wait like three years, five years or something. Yeah, yeah, that, that used to be the case. Yeah, wow. So uh, now things have changed. So that's how it is. So power sector has transformed all of that. At the same time, we have had to see a number of scams. All of yeah, these... we, I mean, yeah, you would have definitely been witness <laughs> to some of them and reporting on them would have been a challenge in itself, right? Yes, yes. Well, you know, top of the mind comes is the Satyam scam around 2009. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and also now lately this carvi scam mm, mm, um, mm. in the in the midst we have had many similar scams mm-hmm. somehow in spite of all good things about hyderabad there is some scam connection to every scam in the country to hyderabad <laughs> oh god Unfor- unfortunately it is true so <laughs> so so when way- when you were reporting on such stories i mean the one thing that occurs to me is that you a need to have your contacts in place that's that goes without saying but you also need to be walking the line you don't you shouldn't it's a challenge because you're trying to get the information out but at the same time you're trying to get the right information out what have been your greatest challenges when you had to report on such stories the problem is you know when uh, the going is good you'll have press releases uh, you know you're bombarded to your uh, email box but when mm. they are in trouble, nobody will come online. Yeah. That has been the case always. So, for instance, uh, before the around 2000, when there was a dot com boom, mm. so you'd have, you know, so many stories coming from dot com sector. But around 2001, everything went bust. There was hardly anybody to talk to. Even their offices, there was, a, there was only the security guy who would answer your call. Oh, my God. So, so that was the situation. So then what do you do? Then you do, then you go for proxy, proxy contacts and get information and then yeah. verify, re-verify and then file. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, when the going is good, I think the information flow, there's no problem on information. You'll just get information seamlessly. When we're talking about a dot-com boom, we're talking about the Satyam scam and all that. It's very obvious that Hyderabad from what has evolved from what it was many years ago to a very sought after business hub, especially an IT hub. So yes. how has that transition felt for you? I mean, how, how you felt about the transition? Has it been something yeah. quite yeah. heart overwhelming or do you think that Hyderabad still has a long way to go? Yeah. Let me put it in a, give me a couple of minutes. I will explain to you. Okay. So, yeah. Hyderabad is a very interesting city. Yeah. You, you know, it is many things for many people. Okay. You know, it depends on how you look at it. Mm-hmm. For instance, you have the beautiful river Mosi flowing uh, in the midst of the uh, city, uh, dividing the old city and the new city. Mm. So it's basically Hyderabad till till around 1990 or so, uh, 1960s, 70s, and 80s was an amazingly laid-back city known for its Nizami culture. Mm. Nizami culture. Irani hotels, Irani yeah. chai, Irani chai, Usmania biscuits. Okay, now I'm getting hungry. <laughs> and and lovely, lovely, lovely biryani. Okay. Biryani. And incidentally, biryani is not just a cuisine. 
as many people think it is biryani is a way of life it's a way of it's a way of life <laughs> okay <laughs> all right biryani is a way of life for uh, everybody a hyderabadi and non hyderabadi who comes here he swears by biryani <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah you you will you will eat once uh, you like it once you'll hate it well, like i forget it like yeah. i said now i'm feeling extremely hungry so let's let's yeah. let's move on yeah so incidentally for business line i did one full page on biryani wow okay now yeah, when when was this ago when was it this? must be around uh, around 2000 i can't recollect the date but but not in the recent past not in the recent past rashida bhagat was handling that page okay so okay. that was the time i had done that piece uh-huh. so yeah so um, you know leaving behind this irani case so from that time on you know from a laid back city uh, during the reforms process slowly transformed into a services and the services led industry mm-hmm. be it it telecom uh, and other services so all of that slowly happened so it's hardly there is any manufacturing in hyderabad so most of it has been driven around services pharmaceutical drugs and pharmaceuticals and now vaccines mm-hmm. so incidentally hyderabad is a hub for drugs and pharma right it is, uh, it is a hub for it and it services mm-hmm. it is also Uh, a hub for vaccines and related areas and it is also a very interesting hub for a number of national institutions such right. as such as electronic corporation of india limited defense research and development organization mm-hmm. emrl and uh, advanced research uh, uh, research materials uh, hub mm-hmm. uh, where you know all these uh, nuclear bundles are made Uh, so so it is a hub for and also institutions like geological survey of india Cent- center for cellular and molecular biology right. the institute of chemical technology so it has all these uh, coming together so there there is all you know there's bunch of u- institutions like this which have playing a role in their own way in encouraging new entrepreneurs to come up then there is this drug and pharma hub with uh, hyderabad being a hub for bulk, it is known as a bulk drug capital of india it is also known as vaccine capital of india so and and lately it has become a very big uh, play in hyderabad hyderabad so, becoming a vaccine hub has been a very recent development i mean it's it was just too quick if i may say so but before we know it every vaccine i mean especially covid vaccines have been manufactured left right and center in that city unfortunately it has been talked about now but it has been a vaccine hub oh it okay has, it has been a vaccine hub with leading players like bharat biotech correct yeah shanta biotech yeah which now part of another multinational corporation mm-hmm. then um, I, um, immunologicals then biological events all yeah. of these are into vaccines in a very big way and uh, if i am right around 2/3 of countries vaccines are actually made in hyderabad so you're saying it's only been talked of people have become aware that they exist yes. only now yes yes and for instance bharat biotech is known to have made uh, some of the vaccines which were priced at say 20 dollars 30 dollars for as low as 1 dollar a dose wow. so 
that has been uh, the huge contribution from hyderabad to the global uh, you know but that's a very it's very different uh, essence altogether you hyderabad has so much but yes. yet there's very there's very so little that people are aware of right yeah it is i mean i mean it's get crowded by the you know development in metro other metropolitan cities but then lately you know it has been talked about very highly and it has all the trappings of becoming very huge and what started around 2000 around 2000 when you know around 1996 and 2000 when you know microsoft was the first company to mm. set up its base followed by you know googles and uh, other biggies ibms yeah. and all while tcs has been there from 19 late 70s in hyderabad mm. this the coming of microsoft you know attracted lot of multinationals around hyderabad then came uh, then uh, president bill clinton came to hyderabad yeah and then, then uh, tony blair of uh, united UK. kingdom had come so hyderabad become had become very interesting hub uh, around around the time when uh, chief minister was chandrababu naidu was the chief minister he consciously attracted lot of it companies mm-hmm. and now it can that that the trend continues with with the current government and now it's become a huge 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 hub for it so and given the current uh, you know base it has created it has a very 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 nice bright future ahead so we have seen chandrababu naidu um, you know be instrumental in making hyderabad what it is today and we also have the current governor vyasar government in power how have you seen um, hyderabad evolve after the vyasar government coming into play so after chandrababu naidu vyasar government had come so the all the good things which uh, he had initiated including the you know setting up of the indian school of business by the way mm-hmm. indian school of business and also early initiation of the hyderabad international airport all of that continued and hyderabad apart from all these things as is a huge real estate play mm is a huge real estate and infrastructure play so th- those trends continue this real estate trend continues the infrastructure play continues and uh, unfortunately you know some of these setbacks like the lehman brothers collapse has had adverse impact on the real estate and the early telangana movement also had some setback on the real estate but now things have gone back to normalcy and now things are looking up very very bright we seem to have very good future ahead in terms of real estate and other sectors and including it sector now who is who of the world is in hyderabad Mm. who of the world is in hyderabad be it amazons be it facebook they and they won't come here but for the infrastructure but for the huge talent available here so it has all the trappings of becoming another mega mega metropolis of the future but the one question that strikes me right now i mean you did mention talk of the bifurcation of andhra pradesh yeah. has that had an impact Uh, on the whole infrastructure game at large as well as the state is concerned because the resources suddenly were divided right what is uh, surprising about the whole thing for including for me is the early information which we we were uh, you know early thoughts we had were that uh, division will actually uh, be very 
have adverse uh, impact on uh, both the states. Actually, uh, to some extent, there has been some adverse reaction for both the states. But in other words, what has happened is both of these bifurcated states have grown in size significantly. Really? Yeah. The okay. budgets budgets of each state is bigger than the combined budget of the unified state. Wow. Okay. So this is something very interesting. So mm -hmm. likewise, you know, the growth of other sectors, mm -hmm. the allocation of funds to other sectors has also grown significantly over the years. So contrary to the general perception that things would go bad, wrong, go wrong, hasn't ha actually happened. The, so, but there were also debates on the fact that when the ISR, gov uh, ISR government came into power, certain projects eventually had to take a back seat because of the policies that they wanted to implement. Is that, uh, I mean, that should definitely trigger some worry, right? There was early, you know, if, say, whenever a new government comes in, you know, they review some of the old projects, including the renewable energy projects. Yeah. And some, of, some of the contracts which were awarded were renewed. Mm. So all of those were, uh, you know, again, uh, retendered and uh, not necessarily the renewable projects because renewable projects is still to be finalized. Its outcome is not yet known, but then other uh, areas have been sorted out. I think there has been some setback in the sense uh, a year or so must have been lost uh, in terms of, you know, how things would uh, move in. But I think now they have got into a proper, uh, you know, uh, space wherein things are again in the growth path that uh, that that setback i think has now been put behind when it comes to andhra pradesh. Mm -hmm. pradesh again when it comes to telangana it is a different story because after this government took over there were a lot of problems with the power there was a huge deficit of power mm -hmm. there were industrial holidays industrial holidays we had three days holidays because others did not have power but mm. within no time after the Chandrasekhar Rao government took over. Yeah. He managed to address this challenge. And now we are at a stage when where the state has become almost power surplus. Wow. Okay. Power surplus. This is amazing. You know, during the election actually campaign, people said that people will have to dry clothes on electric wires because they won't be power. But oh my god. Any experts also felt like that somehow. I think hats off to, you know, the current government or KCR government. Mm. They did a remarkable job of the power sector that deserves to be complimented for the good work they have done. But the political climate has clearly seen some major transitions in so many years of you reporting uh, from that place, right? So how, yes. do, wh what do you, which phase do you think would have been a turning point for the state of Andhra Pradesh and Telangana? Andhra Pradesh and Telangana turning point, I think, um, in, in some ways, if you look at it, uh, uh, after the death of uh, Rajshikar Reddy mm -hmm. uh, in, in a helicopter crash, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there was a leadership vacuum in uh, Congress that time. Correct. So we have had uh, a couple of chief ministers then. That was the time when, you know, everything was in a state of flux. The mm -hmm. Telangana movement gained, uh, gained uh, gathered team and uh, there was also a lot of unrest in the state, a lot of agitations and all that. That was the time when even the economy was in relatively bad shape. Mm. We were coming out of the crisis of the Lehman Brothers. Correct. Real estate was in bad shape. 
all of that uh, you know had uh, had lot of impact on the state of economy mm. and also on the political circle mm. i think that was the turning point you know that also you know resulted in a gradual paving way for the creation of the new state around 2014 mm. uh, you know when the upa government was on the you know last uh, phase of its uh, before the 2014 elections mm -hmm. that was when the new state was created and now with more than 7 years both the states are there there are still some issues you know which are yet to be re resolved between states into in terms of assets sharing yeah in terms of but clearly you know andhra pradesh has lost hyderabad which is a big uh, you know it's a big, big economic generator yeah but I mean, that's what I wanted to talk about because when the bifurcation happened, that's the discussion that everybody kept, yes. you know, having at homes. So yes. What's going to happen right now? The talent is in Hyderabad. You yes. have the resources, the human resources may probably come from Andhra Pradesh and other parts yes. of the state. Yes. But so what happens to Hyderabad right now? Where, where does, does the state or do both states actually grow? So what is your take on that? Yeah, the, my, take is, my take is, see, what happens is just like, you know, every every place has its own strong point you know mm -hmm. if it is comes to tamil nadu for instance we'll talk about manufacturing mm. there is manufacturing and services coexist in tamil nadu in bangalore services is dominant likewise hyderabad will have services dominance okay. and andhra will have manufacturing dominance because okay. andhra, andhra has the advantage of ports which telangana doesn't have andhra mm. has the advantage of very strong coastal area. Mm -hmm. So all of this will uh, lead, you know, many of the manufacturing to go to Andhra and all the services come to Andhra. That's how you see Kia setting up a plant there. Mm. That's how you may see more of electric vehicle companies setting up plants in Andhra, mm -hmm. which, which, is, which may or may not happen in, uh, in, in Telangana, for instance. So mm. you'll have centers of excellence, like, you know, you'll have more of services in Telangana, more of manufacturing in Andhra, while they're also developing some cities into services like Vizag and Vijayawada, mm. um, and also uh, at Kadapa and other places. But I still feel uh, they stand better chance with regard to manufacturing than services. So final question, Rishi yes. Kumar. Yes. You've spent uh, over 26 years with Business Line. You've, you've done some amazing work. Uh, what, where do you see the city of Hyderabad going? And um, how would, what, is, what would you have to say? Like, as a, what do you have to say about the, the many years you've been as a journalist so far? I mean, see, I've seen Hyderabad from early days, you know, from the childhood days. Incidentally, I was born here only, so mm. born and brought up here and studied and worked here all through. Mm. So Hyderabad, uh, from a very laid-back city, has become a very bubbly and modern city uh, and emerging into a smart, smart metropolis. Mm. Uh, it has its own uh, limitations in terms of, uh, you know, uh, infrastructure, which, they, which with the current government is trying to address with one of the most ultra-modern airports in the country. It has very, very good uh, infrastructure with a 159-kilometer ring road around mm -hmm. and all the development happening around. So 
Hyderabad city that way is very well poised. It has created enough base for it to launch and become very big place. So I, I see it emerging as another mega, 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 mega metropolis, mega, mega, mega metropolis of the country. Uh, it has all the trappings to uh, uh, become one for the next 20, 30 years. And what are your feelings right now? Like after, uh, once you retire from business line, what, what's in store for you? What do you plan on doing next? I don't know. I'm, honestly, it is, the time has passed by so quickly that I haven't actually had a time to pause and think about, you know, what next. Mm -hmm. I'm taking it as it comes. Mm -hmm. This is last but third day of my mm -hmm. career with uh, business line. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll just log off on, uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll I'll log off on uh, the 30th and then then pause for a while, maybe a month or two, and then see how things will move on for me. I haven't given any thought to what next. Uh, just want to, you know, pause for some time, uh, uh, you know, see what I want to do and then uh, take it forward. Is there something you wish to say as, you know, uh, your last, something that you wish to say, something you should share with the business line family? Yeah, just wanted to uh, let them know that, you know, uh, from the time I walked into the office uh, on March 15th, 1996, wow. where, I, 1996, where I was luckily received by nearly 20 people, you know, all of them, you know, had earlier work with Indian, Indian Express, where I had also worked. So from the time I walked into a, where I felt I have come into a family, not into a publication. That feeling continues to be there with me. And over the years, I've worked with so many people. Uh, every minute was a pleasure to it's never, 26, it was, I never felt it was 26 years. It's like some 26 days and it has passed off so quickly. Well, so, we are thoroughly thrilled, thrilled to have actually worked with you and we wish you all the very best for the days ahead. And do, and we definitely hope we can, read more of your writing and on energy resources and a lot of stuff. So thank you so much for joining us on Business Line Podcast. Wish you all the best and do stay in touch. Thank you so much, Gitanjali. Thank you for the time. Stay tuned for more episodes. You may follow us on our Spotify channel, Business Line Podcast, Google Podcasts, and our website, www.thehindubusinessline.com. Until next time, this is your host, Gitanjali Devaka, signing off. Thank you.